Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas y Caballeros. Another edition of Leaving the Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Emil Carr, and Kenny. Kenny, welcome tell, back. What nickname are we going to call you now, Kenny? This is a new week. Uh, so we got to have something new, man. You know, I think we already used up the Keith Thurman. Um, the, we've used up the, the, the ponytail, the Steven Seagal look. Oh, you're an Ugas guy. That's right. You are a new guys guy. Uh, I'm yeah. not a new guys guy. I, I, I like I like Ugas. I like Ugas. I, I like U- I like Ugas too. I don't. I, I'm. I think I'm one of the few that are just not excited about him. Not 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 meaning like I don't like him personally. I don't. I don't know, man. It's just something that tells me that he's not going to be that next thing. You know, as much mm-hmm. as that they want to sell him to us, I just. I don't know. Just don't see it at all. But anyways, uh, really quick here, let's uh, let's go over the whole week. If you guys want to call him, we'll open up the phone lines in about another you know thirty minutes, man. Let's go thirty minutes because the fact is we got a lot to talk about here on Leaving the Ring. We got the fights to review. We got the fights to preview that's happening this February the eighth, which I'm very excited. It is a very good solid card on Showtime. Um, but you know we had we had some fights on Thursday, Friday, and even <clears throat> on Saturday. Before the Super Bowl, I don't know if you guys had a chance to – if you guys watched the Super Bowl and all that. I thought it was a really good game. It was a tough game from San Francisco 49ers and the Kansas City uh, Chiefs that are in Missouri. Not Kansas. They're not in Kansas, just to let people know. They're in Missouri, you know. Yeah. I know there was some confusion. To burst uh, your <laughs> bubble, David, or, or anybody else's bubble, but I can't fucking stand the NFL. Uh, I really <laughs> It's just an evil empire. You know, between the pushing opioids on the players to, you know, uh, trying to ruin the, the doctor's life, the guy that discovered CTE oh, and yeah, to uh, the fact that they don't have guaranteed contracts, to the fact that they got racist fucking teammates, uh, sorry, uh, team names, like the Redskins and the Chiefs, you know, uh, look, there's... There's nothing I can like about the NFL. And to be honest, last night I was actually watching a replay on ESPN of uh, Fury Wilder 1. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I remember you texting me or telling doing. me that. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, was, it was interesting. And also, for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, I think BT Sport has done some of the best boxing shows in terms of pre-shows for big fights that I've ever seen. I mean, they... Check it out. They they had a show that I watched today on YouTube with Ben Davidson and uh, David Hay um, being interviewed by by uh, the Welsh fighter Jones, former uh, champion, where they were just breaking down uh, strategy for Wilder and Fury, and I thought it was it was great. But if you want, Dave, you want me to go through the kind of the rundown of the of the fights. Uh, let's do the rundown. Yeah, let's just do a complete rundown, and then we'll pick and choose the ones that we want to discuss. 
And uh, Fight Fans, if you want to call in and bring up a, a topic that we missed or a fight that we missed about reviewing, you certainly can. It'll be 347-215-7598. But you're going to have to hear us for a minute here uh, while we uh, discuss and do the recap ourselves. Uh, also, we're on live on YouTube. So you can go to our YouTube channel, leave it in the ring, click subscribe if you can, please. You know, try to subscribe to our channel so that you're always up to date when we are on live, which is every Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific and 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Emil Carr, that, re- that uh, rundown? For sure. So I'll start with the undercards. And for all our international fans, I know there were probably fights, you know, in Europe and in Asia and other places, but we're just focusing here on on the U.S. Uh, this week. So we had the zone card Thursday. It was interesting. Um, it's kind of tough, honestly, for me, given that I work. Monday to Friday, and I had to stay up late. But uh, yeah. Daniel Roman uh, took on uh, Murdojan Akhmadaliev, and uh, they were fighting for Roman's uh, unific- unified titles. He was the IBF WBA uh, junior featherweight uh, champion, and he took on Akhmadaliev, who had just seven pro fights going into this this matchup. And it was an interesting interesting fight. I thought it was very closely contested. I found it interesting that repeatedly, and this is a common theme in these zone podcasts, they make a point and they want to just continue to drive that point home. I don't know how many times yeah. they mentioned that, that they were surprised or didn't agree with Danny Roman defending his title against this challenger. Um, and that they were even insinuating that he should have vacated one of his titles instead of taking on this challenge. Look, World champion, at least for me, when I was growing up and still is, may, means something. It, it means that you defend your title uh, against all uh, worthwhile comers from all across the world. And that's what Danny Roman did. And I thought he put in a, a brave and game performance in uh, what was a close fight. But as you guys know, uh, Akhmadaliev uh, came out on top. What, what were your thoughts of that fight, guys? You know, I, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna take anything away from Akin Dahlia. Um, MJ is what he was. He wants to be called uh, because everybody has troubles. Uh, trouble pronouncing his name. But um, <clears throat> I mean, look. I thought he had a good game plan. I thought he had a good performance. Um, his punches are a little wide for my taste. Um, I thought that Roman was doing a good job. I I honestly believe there was a lot closer. Rounds were very difficult. For myself, and I think for a lot of folks, I think Chris Mannix is one of them as well, mentioning that he was having a tough time of, of uh, um, he was he was having a tough time of who he wanted to sway with, with who won what round, um, because I I honestly thought that the pressure that Roman was doing was fairly well, and I thought that he was actually dictating the momentum of the fight, you know, where where MJ was fighting in spurts, and I wanted to see because there was so much talk about how strong this guy was. And, you know, that he was a puncher and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because of his pedigree. Um, I wanted to see maybe just a little tad more of him being in control. I mean, I mean, he was in control, but I, I thought for me that you for you to win that title, that you really have to show me that you took that title away. And I thought that that there was definitely an argument in Roman or Roman fans to say that he MJ didn't win that on a very clear decision. I could see that. I honestly thought, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet, but I was like, I hope we get a draw here. Cause I thought it was just that close. I think the draw uh, would have been I, a I, clear result. 
I don't agree with that one, man. I'm I'm more with MJ on this one. MJ, he was just way more active. He uh, his punches were a lot sharper. They actually landed and hit the face and not gloves. Uh, Roman, he was good. So he he was landing like powerful punches, but there just wasn't enough of those powerful punches for me to give him the rounds. Uh, I, I don't know about that, man. I thought MJ the uppercut. Again. I thought the uppercut of Roman was taking over. I thought the body shots that he was landing wasn't talked enough about uh, by the commentators, like Sergio Moore on them. Um, I thought that that, you know, when you say the cleaner punches, I saw MJ land maybe once in a while a good clean punch there, Kenny. I didn't see him really landing a lot of punches. I saw a lot of wide shots, and that, that was, that was um, good for Roman because he was able to earmuff and catch those punches. You know, you know the, the only thing that, that I thought that Roman could have done better was cut off the ring. Um, push him back because he followed him kind of the whole night. You know, he, uh, he was allowing MJ to really use the the landscape of that ring to his advantage. And Roman was kind of content because I think he thought eventually that one of these body shots were going to really slow him down. But MJ's conditioning was really up to par. I mean, I was very impressed yeah. with that, you know, with his conditioning. I mean, man, to keep that pace up uh, for that for that amount of time, uh, in every round, um, I th- I thought okay, but but uh, in those championship rounds, Kenny, I don't know what you thought, but I thought that MJ was trying to play safe, and I didn't really like that. I mean, he kind of fought like he was the champion. He he definitely played it safe in the later rounds, but it was a uh, it was the smartest thing to do because I feel like he was ahead. A like Roman did land a lot of powerful punches, you know, a lot of body shots, a lot of uppercuts, like you've been mentioned, and and the hook he was landing in there, you know. It looked really good, but it was I felt like it wasn't enough of it. When when MJ came forward, uh uh he would come forward with like four, five, six punches at a time, you know. Then he would back up and, and run around for a little bit, you know. Uh and it worked out very well for him because when he would come in with his four, five, six punches, he would land a good four of those six punches. Uh and he was way more active doing that than Roman was. Roman, he was more with his guard up trying to he had the earmuffs on, trying to more so block everything as opposed to counter more often. And then, yes, I agree with you. In the later rounds, yeah. uh, MJ was running around a little more, but it was to his advantage. You know, I, like, I, by that point, I already felt that he was ahead in the scorecards. Uh, um, it was, it was, I think it was the smartest thing for him to do, you know, add a little Mayweather in there, be a little more defensive, run around since you feel you're up on the scorecards, and, you know, just, well, just take your victory. The good thing is that the judges saw exactly what you were witnessing that night because I honestly thought it was a lot closer. I thought the rounds that, that – I, I honestly did not feel – I don't know how you felt, Milkar. I didn't feel on the 10th round or 9th or 10th that, that MJ was that far ahead, that he could cruise these championship rounds. I thought that he needed to win a big, and I thought that Roman came out to win those rounds and did take those rounds. I thought Danny Roman did very well. Um... Uh, he 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 pressured. Uh, he really did good work to the body. Uh, the thing is, unfortunately, you know, you've been watching boxing long enough. You know that the body punching isn't always scored as much right. as it should be. And um, MJ was the boxer that landed the cleaner, flashier headshots. Whether or not they were more effective right. is obviously this is something that can be debated. I think what's happened here is like always happens amongst boxing fans and people who watch the sport is there's a debate between, 
you know, consistent work, including work to the body and, you know, clean, uh, flashy shots. And uh, I think Roman struggled with, with, with that aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, but he was the champion, and I, I feel he deserved a little bit more respect. I thought it was, I thought it was a very close fight. Although I didn't score oh, yeah. it, I, I, I felt it was a very close fight. And being the champion, you kind of expect him to, to get a little bit more respect than he did. My, my final thought regarding this fight is that I was extremely, extremely impressed with MJ's conditioning and how Roman's body work did not take effect. I, I'm, I can't believe it didn't take effect. Like, the dude was running around energetic the entire fight. He didn't even look like I he was out at the end of the fight. It was, it was impressive. Kenny, that's he was a in great the zone. And to to yep. further that, too, you're talking about a guy with seven fights who doesn't have a lot of experience fighting championship rounds. This is a 12-round fight. This is a guy right. whose amateur experience was in four-rounders four and whose pro experience, most of his fights had ended in knockouts. So, Kenny, you're absolutely right. The fact that he could go so late into the fight, absorb the brutal body attack of Roman, and still have energy in the later rounds, you got to tip your hat to him. I, I give him. I give him enough respect. Yeah, and you got it. You definitely have to give him that respect. I think with with MJ right now, my feeling about him is I got to see more of him. I got to see um, when he finally becomes comfortable in these later rounds, like the way Lomachenko Lomachenko uh, struggled with Sausito. You know, uh, you saw that this when he fought Siri that there was there was still. Uh, development in his part to, to get to where he wanted to go. So I'm wondering in that case, like MJ, uh, is he, is he, you know, one of these guys that, that once he gets the title, we're going to see a, a huge jump, a huge confidence boost, even though the boost was there. I mean, he was confident. He was, um, he seemed very comfortable of letting his hands go when he wanted to let him go. I just was hoping to see a little bit more aggression on his side to try to put it more of, of, you know, maybe take the champion out, Roman. But those body shots, like you guys just mentioned, those body shots can really make you kind of rethink what you're going to do, um, even though you may be the quicker guy and you're able to dart in, dart out. When he's landing, when Roman is landing those body shots, it could definitely make you say, oops, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, hold off just a bit. Well, you know what? You want to talk about body shots and guys that are aggressive, let's talk about Emmanuel Navarrete who's the other champion in his weight class, that is a fight I'd like to see. Uh, yeah. You know, also you've got, you've got Ray Vargas as well. But the Navarrete fight, you, yo, if that comes off, that's must-see TV for me. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. I wouldn't also wouldn't mind a rematch with Roman. I think that he deserved it because, like I said, I think that everybody's in on the border, on the fence of who would have won, you know, won that fight. Because it, it just didn't – I felt like there was business on the left that was left there in the ring. I think both guys could have probably upped their, upped their game. I think there was just a unfamiliar territory that if there is a rematch, I think we may see a much more action-packed uh, uh, rounds between the two. Yeah. So moving up the card, uh, this was the fight that all three of us are really looking forward to, which was Tevin Farmer uh, and Joseph Diaz Jr. for Farmer's IBF a junior lightweight title. Look, that fight did not disappoint. I, w- I was happy to stay up a little late on Thursday to see this fight. You know, people are saying that Tevin Farmer had some issues. There's blinking a lot. He's always kind of been cross-eyed, which is probably why he wears those shades in a lot of his interviews. 
but he was blinking during the fight and looking up at at the the score score board or the the monitor a, a little bit. I'm yeah, lying. but but let's face facts. The guy that was dealing with a horrific injury was uh, JoJo. JoJo. Diaz. Yeah. I mean that, that cut was terrible. It was terrible. The referee could have easily stopped that that fight uh, before the, the the fourth round, and 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 which would have obviously resulted in in a no contest. I'd be interested to hear what you guys felt because I felt that Joseph Diaz was promoted. <laughs> And had they just stopped that fight in the fifth or sixth round, I think he would have won. Um, I thought so, too. He continued to fight the entire 12 rounds and not just fight, but press the action. He wasn't trying to survive. He was pressing the action uh, to the body, to the head, uh, going forward the entire night. Look, again, I'm going to use a respect word. you got to respect Joseph Diaz. And, And the reason I really like this win for him is it helps erase those those past uh, marks on, on his record in terms of the the first attempt at a title and then losing because he couldn't make weight. He's clearly dedicated. He's clearly passionate about the sport. He's got a lot of heart, and he proved it on on Thursday night. What are your thoughts, David? I have to agree with you. You know, I thought you know, I, I thought that that. He fought with urgency in every round because of that cut. Like, he wanted to make sure that the judges took notice that he won that round. You know, um, I know there was a lot of complaints about the zone commentary. And I was just telling you guys when we were off the air before we came yeah. on, I was saying, like, I, I have I have developed this, this, this new talent where I tune off certain people when they talk to me. And I could just focus on one thing. And I was really able to do that with the commentators. I was really able to tune them off, not lower down the volume, not put them on mute, but really just pay attention to the action that was happening in front of me. Now, I've taken a point that some of the guys, some of the, the fans on, that were either on social media that were having their rants about this were saying that, uh, you know, Sergio Martinez and, 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 and Brian Kenny were fo- solely focused on the, por- the performance of Tevin Farmer, and I agree with this, that they were really undermining what JoJo Diaz was doing, you know, I mean, look, if, if, if Farmer plateaued because of training camp, the way I believe, like, certain fighters have plateaued, if, when they never take a break, they don't give their body a break, they can hit the stick and top the ceiling, and then they don't go any further, and they end up leaving the fight at the gym, if that can happen, but also, it's up to the other guy to out them out, you know, out them out and, and show that they've plateaued or show that just, you know, that their game plan is just that far much superior. And I thought that's what Jojo did. Now, he went out there and, and immediately stood his ground and made himself present to Tevin Farmer. Remember this. Tevin Farmer's game plan was to push the smaller guy, and that's what they trained for. He just couldn't seem to shake out of that game plan, and and the instructions from his trainers didn't seem to know what else to tell him to do. You know, they were trying to make him revert, but but it's hard to revert if you've been training for six weeks or more a certain way of beating a guy, and it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't work. It's hard, you know, kind of re, you know, rewire your brain to do something different. So, Big kudos to Jojo Diaz and big kudos to Tevin Farmer. Talk about what you were saying, uh, Milkar, respect. That's respect. He took the loss very well, and he, he gave all credit due to Jojo Diaz. 
Absolutely. He, he, he definitely took the loss like a D. He did his thing. Applaud him for that one. And I just want to bring it back to last week's show uh, when we were discussing who uh, who we thought was going to win this fight, Tevin Far- Farmer, Jojo Diaz. And all of us said that we hoped Jojo Diaz won, but we didn't know if he had it in him. But, hey, he, he shocked us all. He surprised us. He came through. Uh, he he surprised Seven Farmer. He came through in there like a beast. Uh, very strong, powerful, very energetic the entire time with his big old gash. Um, yeah. Nothing but, big, nothing but big props to JoJo. Yeah, yeah, that was a nasty, nasty gash. Very proud that our pick won. <laughs> yeah. And very shocked. I was extremely shocked. Sorry, sorry. I was extremely shocked the entire time watching this fight. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I thought maybe I was drunk or something because I've never seen Seven <laughs> Farmer look so awkward, so weird, like like and get hit like so much where it's not on the swivel head where he's getting hit and and the hits are and like landing impactfully, you know. Yeah. No, I it's mean JoJo that- was hitting him. He probably hurt him earlier, early in the fight, you know. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of times guys get hit above the temple. It messes with their equilibrium. Um, he might have taken a shot over over the eye, over the orbital bone that kind of messed up his vision and had him blinking. But, you know, like we said, JoJo was dealing with a serious uh, issue. And one thing that's always going to trouble Farmer, and it's interesting to me that he was uh, talking a lot before the fight about being the bigger, stronger guy, and that he kind of outpowered JoJo, is that he just doesn't have punching power and not enough to earn the respect of a guy like like JoJo and to stop him from moving forward because – once that freight train got started, that freight train had no fucking brakes. It just kept going and going and going, cut or no cut. Well, you know what? I, I think Tevin Farmer, too, um, is lucky that JoJo doesn't carry that really. He's not heavy-handed, you know, because uh, a lot of those shots, if it was somebody else, probably would have hurt Tevin Farmer and put him away. So he lucked out on that part. I know that Farmer's saying he wants an immediate rematch. Um I think the guy needs to rest up a little bit, go back to the drawing board, uh, you know, because it is, I think it is noteworthy to point out he didn't have legs. Um, he, he was stuck in the mud. Uh, he didn't know how to adjust. There really wasn't any countering shots from, from farmer's part. Like he was trying, but he just couldn't seem to let himself, let his hands go. And I think partially one of the big reasons he couldn't let his hands go is because every time he thought of letting his hands go, Jojo was already on top of him, letting his hands go. He actually did exactly what we were hoping he was going to do because he lacked that part with the Gary Russell Jr. fight. Yeah, he did. And, you know, just like in the last uh, fight we discussed, the winner here, Diaz, he's got some some good and and interesting options. I mean, I would like to see him against uh, Burchelt. I'd like to see him against Santa Cruz. I'd even like to see him against Herring. Um, probably in that order uh, in terms of preference, but but there are options. Shout out, by the way, to Renee, Renee Box, who's uh, online. All of our fans out there listening to us on Blog Talk, you know, be sure to log in. Uh, you can chat with us uh, online, and uh, we'll try to read out a couple chats uh, as, as we proceed uh, through the show. So moving along with the card, you know, we had what I would consider the least anticipated fight of the night, uh, Jake Paul versus uh, an Eason Gibbs. <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, man. 
It was. It didn't even last a round. It didn't last a round. One guy. One guy looked like he was a cartoon character, um, <laughs> in terms of the way he was fighting, or maybe a video game character. I don't know. And, and the other guy, you know, I'll be honest. Jake Paul did show some skills. Of he had a good jab. He um, he he walked. He, he, he walked. Uh, he walked Gibb into some shots. Um, so big up to Shane Mosley, I guess, for training him and, and, and preparing him. But, you know, I, I just can't can't rate. I don't know how to rate that because of who he was fighting and the way the guy was fighting. I, I'm i sure, well, honestly, I mean, that there were some heavyweights, I'm sorry, cruiserweights that he can probably take on and be competitive with. You know, guys that don't have much of an amateur background. But, uh, I'm, I mean, what the hell would a junior Dorticos do to a Jake Paul? You know, I mean... Yeah, I think this. Uh, uh, look, the only way yeah. I could rate it is that one guy actually was at the gym working on his craft. The other guy was busy saying, "It's my time! It's my time!" Didn't even bother to learn how to have a boxing stance. He came out there looking like a crab. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm happy that that guy Paul was able to take him out in that first round because it just didn't look that great. Uh, Jay Mosey did a really good job with it because he taught the kid how to follow through with his right hand. You know, where you see a lot of guys that don't know how to throw their right hand all the way. They're not confident. So they end up, you know, putting the weight on the wrong foot, which would be their back foot, right? And they'll lean backwards, then throw it, and they come up short. He was able to lean forward after a jab, get on that foot start, and then throw his right hand, which was good to see, you know, um, it's not the end of these YouTubers we're going to end up seeing, but eventually, I think like myself and a lot of other people that are watching this sideshow is that we want them now to start. I mean, you know, eventually I'd like to start seeing them fight somebody with some credentials, you know, maybe not like one of the top guys, not, not the top 20, but maybe the top 40 guys, you know, maybe the bare uh, knuckle guys, you know, that, that, that come from MMA and tr- make a transition to boxing. Maybe that's a good start for some of these guys to really test their skills and see whether or not that, that they're really honing down the skills that are being passed on to them from some of these legends. Uh, that to me would be interesting. That to me would say like, okay, I know you're serious because you're going in the gym and you're learning the craft, but now it's really maybe that time when you need to step it up and really face somebody that actually takes this more, a bit more serious because that guy, that kid Gibb, come on, he didn't take it serious. Well, it was a yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I feel I feel that, that it was a very, very, very hilarious, funny match, and you guys aren't giving them enough credit for the humor that they provided. Okay, all right, it was nice and, and they were funny. All right. And hey, look, I, I used to funny. like those back in high school. You know what I mean? I used to like seeing guys back in high school getting each other's faces. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious and stuff, you know. But hey, I'm giving up my, some of my hard-earned money to watch some real guys that are professionals and really take this serious. And that kid, Paul, he took it serious. He took it serious. The The kid, Paul, took it serious. The problem with, with, sorry, Kenny, you wanted to say something? No, I just wanted to finish the thought uh, that I had earlier, which was uh, that I don't ever, or which was answering your statement from earlier, and is that I don't really ever see uh, the YouTube stars mixing with actual, like, you know, trained professional boxers, although they got a professional boxing license, it's not the same. I think they're just going to keep them separate, have their own little YouTube league, but who knows how that'll go. We'll see. But yeah, sorry, you uh, you, you had your thought. No, I was actually, 
I was actually going to make a similar point, Kenny, and my my point is the problem with what you had uh, said there, David, is that, look, boxing fans don't care about guys like Jake Paul, right? And so we, I, I don't, you know, think about his next fight or whatever, and the fans of his don't want to see him get stretchered out. So, you know, I for that reason, I just don't think there's enough of an incentive to have these YouTube guys take on real opponents because we don't want to see the YouTubers and the YouTuber fans, they want to see their guys fight other YouTubers. Uh, and Ooh, man. They don't know Maybe. The they don't know who a, who a, a, a top 20 or top 30 or even – they probably couldn't name you the top three guys in the cruiserweight division. So – then you, know, you guys are probably not as a thirsty ghoul as I am because I would get some satisfaction to see a guy be humbled, you know, thinking that they could come into this sport and take on, uh, you know, real contenders. I mean, look, how I look at it is why have your foot just in the door? Walk through the door, you know? And eventually these yeah. YouTubers, they're going to end up finishing that circle. And to me, it's a very small circle of guys if they can keep challenging each other at, at the cruiserweight division. You know, um, eventually, if they want to stick around and do this, and if they still want to get this money they're getting paid, because they're getting paid very well, my yeah. thing is that they're going to have to step up. They might have to t- take somebody out of the pool, because even their fans eventually be they're smart. I mean, I'm pretty sure, I don't want to say all of them are smart, but I, I would say a majority of them are smart enough to say, like, this is cool, but now I want to see you really fight somebody. And like I said, not somebody like in the top 20, maybe 30s or 40s, even like a guy that's making the transition from MMA to boxing, that would be entertaining. You know what I mean? Butterbean wasn't put in with the top guys, you know, ever, except for Larry Holmes when he was really over the hill. Way, 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 way over the hill. But, you know, at least he was trying to take on some really serious uh, people of note that weren't known by every hardcore boxing fan, but the, to the fans that tuned in that it did enjoy his knockouts. So that's what I'm. That's all I'm saying. I see the kid is really is taking it serious, and I give them, I give them kudos, guys. Regardless, that they step into a, a world that most people are more comfortable t- discussing about it on their couch than ever really putting on a set of gloves and taking a punch in the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd agree with that, except that the guy he took on was an Ethan Gibb. He didn't take on a real fighter, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're, you're right about the Ethan Gibbs. You know, uh, I mean, cool. He he tested uh, what he could box like on TV against the uh, uh, way lesser opponent. Uh, I don't give him any credit for any of that. But the one thing that I will say is, you never know where a star could come from. Or like, yo, bro, you can have a YouTuber that started YouTubing at the age of five and also training for boxing at the age of five. And you, you never know. It could come up being a yeah. savage boxer. You just never know. Yeah, like Ryan Garcia. He's a YouTuber. Who was actually fight. Oh, yeah, you're right. He falls somewhere in there, though. Uh, somewhere yeah. in that social media category. You know what I'm saying? Like like a dude who did a lot of social media and was very popular for, you know, showing, like, cute boxing stuff on social media. And then he got very popular, and then he actually had boxing skills. And look at him now, one of the Biggest I mean, untested, unproven fighters that's out there. I agree so, with you, Kenny. I, I agree with you, Kenny. I mean, look, I think the way the world is going now is that you see more people that come out with their talents because of social media. Uh, Ryan Garcia was an active fighter. Been fighting, him and his brother have been fighting for a very long time in Apple Valley. 
you know, um, they were actually, you know, I had heard about these kids, well, about Ryan before he had signed with, with Golden Boy. You know, he was being shopped around. I actually knew the guys that were managing him. Um, one of the guys was actually, he's a really good friend of mine. Um, but these kids are very intelligent when it comes to learning how to, you know, get, get their talent out to the mass. And Ryan Garcia was able to ha- become a market machine on his own. You know, where to the traditional way of getting a guy out there has really become a dinosaur way of doing things, right? I mean, I have to agree with that, you know. But but the problem that I'm having with this new this new method is that now there's got to be proof in it. You know, yeah, you're right. This guy named Jake Paul, uh, you know, he's just a, a star in the making. You know, and, and maybe in boxing, we don't know. We all we, we obviously we do know is he's willing to take punches. Him and his brother. Um, so the other the other guy from England, they're willing to take punches. They're they're willing to do the regimens of what the boxers are doing to be in shape. They're willing to go in the gym and learn by people that can actually pass some really knowledge to them. You know, but but my my thing, I guess the only way I could put it is this, okay? And I was making fun of a couple of guys that listen to all the new hip hop nowadays, right? They listen to this like you know uh, um you know like the Takashi's and all these other dudes, right? All these rappers. Um, you know, it's like the Migos and all that. I was making fun of them because I was like, this, you know, Eminem just dropped another album, right? And I, I'm not a major Eminem fan, but like three of his tracks or one of his tracks alone literally slaughtered all these kids from YouTube that rap that got discovered off YouTube. I mean, literally just the smallest them. So I always say that there's got to be real, real talent, you know? You got here, but now you got to prove that this is the reason why you, you can hold your ground here. You can be on the top of the hill. That's my only thing. Well, That's why I say, you know, Jake Paul, you want to show that you're, you, you know, you really got something there. Then uh, eventually when you kind of end up, you know, or in his brother, if you guys end up starting to take out all these YouTubers, uh, eventually you got to start showing the proof in the pudding, which is finding real guys. Well, speaking yeah. about bad uh, rappers, uh, I almost shut off my TV. Just oh to my go God. To yeah. I work Friday mornings. I got to be up early. What the hell was that? You know, that was it was terrible, dude. <laughs> probably the worst uh, rap performance I've ever seen in my life. This fool, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, prancing around the ring, talking about getting head from women when like the ring card girls are in there, and he's saying it over and over again. Like, and there's yeah. nothing talented about him. There's no wordplay, no rhyme scheme, no, no delivery. Uh, no swag, nothing. And nothing, bro. It was one song. They gave us two songs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Once they started the second song, I was literally just ready to turn off my TV. Uh, but you know, I went to the to the kitchen. I got myself a glass of water. I got back, you know, and and I <laughs> ended up watching the, the the Paul fight. I'll be honest. I didn't end up watching the main event, uh, which was um, Demetrius Andrade versus Luke uh, Keeler. And this is for Andrade's WBO uh, middleweight title. And um, it was pretty much what I thought it would be, except for the very quick uh, knockdown uh, that I almost thought was going to end the fight relatively early. You know, uh, Andrade was essentially beating Keeler up for most of the fight. Keeler was kind of moving between trying to be aggressive and then trying to survive when he started to get hurt. We're just, 
it was just a smaller, lower-skilled opponent versus a, a bigger, uh, stronger, more-skilled opponent that also happened to be a southpaw. And before I throw it to you, Dave, for your thoughts on the fight, um, I, I felt the stoppage was warranted. What I didn't feel was warranted was, the, and we mentioned this earlier, but at least before we got on the air, the uh, Sergio um, Mora, um, like, w what are you doing, man? It's like you're trying to break the Guinness World Record for, for saying the word check hook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, multiple times, every round. It's like, Sergio, we get it. We get it. Uh, like, let's talk about some other aspects of the fight. Anyways, what were your thoughts on the fight, Dave? Well, I was like, you know, I was about to turn off because of that rapper, but I found it very entertaining. And la I was, la I needed a good laugh to tell you the truth. It was a Thursday night. I was tired, worked all day, um, didn't even crack open a beer because I had to know how to get up early on Friday. Um, and but to watch the audience's face there into like they're not even into this. It reminded me back of Box Nation. You remember that on Showtime had that little series. Box Nation, where they had hip-hop music coming out. The rappers were rapping. And then they announced the fighters. KO the Nation. Fighters. KO, Nation. Oh, KO Nation. There you go. KO Nation. Box, Box there you Nation go. was a station in, in the UK that showed UK. Boxing. There you go. Yeah, KO yeah. Nation. You remember that? And, yeah, but see, that was even, that, yeah, that was even better um, um, than what we saw with, with this kid here. And uh, But going back with uh, with Luke Keeler, I think that Luke was was utterly surprised as much as we were and how aggressive Andrade came out in that fight. In the first round, dropping him, rocking him, throwing these vicious uh, uh, overhands that were landing pretty clean, and he was able to do everything that he wanted to do in there, but then again, it was against Keeler, you know, and uh, Keeler just couldn't get his legs going. I mean, he couldn't just, he couldn't execute anything uh, just because of the fact that, that, that Andrade was able to be aggressive and when he, when he was an aggressive, he became a boxer. He boxed. He was able to move. Um, I don't know if he really dodged any punches either, guys, because uh, I don't remember Luke even trying to land a punch. He was in such a in, in, in survival mode to the rest of the, the – after the, the first round to the second round all the way down. He was on survival mode the whole time. Luke, Luke yeah. tried to land punches. His arms was just a little too short to reach, you know? Right, and, right. Uh, I have to say, this was uh, probably the most boring fight of the night, even more boring than the YouTube fight. Like, this was, this went exactly the way that I expected it to go. I mean, I didn't see a knockdown in the first two rounds. You know, I thought maybe by five, six, you know, that's when the knockdowns would come and it'll be over. Uh, but, hey, man, it was very much as it was expected. I hope that uh, Andrade could find some people to fight. Uh, yeah, Luke Keeler looks. You like weren't entertained. Out there. Kenny, Not you weren't entertained. I mean, I mean, it was fun. It was fun to see the knockdowns, you know. But it was, it, bro, it was, it was exactly what I expected. Like for real, for real, the, the whole undercard I felt was much, much more entertaining than the Andrade fight. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's his style of fighting and his little, little weird, little sideways fighting thing. I don't know, man. It was, it, I was it, actually it was a, entertained. Cherry pick. Cherry pick. I'll tell I was, you why I wasn't entertained, David. I wasn't entertained because, because it was a mismatch. I mean, oh, yeah. the reason well, yeah. he couldn't get in there and do anything is because he's already an undersized middleweight. And um, I actually didn't watch the fight uh, on Thursday night. I 
paused my zone and then I watched it when I got up in the morning early uh, before mm-hmm. work. And, you know, maybe I was drowsy and a little tired getting out of bed. I didn't have my coffee yet, but uh, I'm with Kenny on this one. I wasn't, I wasn't excited. I do give him credit for the win. Um, he did what he had to do. But do I see Canelo beating him or beating down the door to, to fight Andrade based on this performance? Or more importantly, fans clamoring for a fight with Canelo? I don't. Hmm. i tell you why I was uh, entertained. Yeah. One is because mm-hmm. we know that Andrade can stink up the place. He could have cruised this whole fight, played it very safe, uh, and made uh, Luke look a little better than what we all know he is. But instead, what he did is he he went out there and he showed us that, yeah, you're right. This is a mismatch. You know, he took advantage of it. He, he, he showed aggression to a guy that he knew was smaller than him and couldn't really do much, couldn't get off of anything. They knew what they got themselves in. They knew what they signed up for. They knew who they had in front of them. So he could have milked it. And instead of milking it, he decided to serve us right away to get us to, get to you know, to get us, set us home early. And that's why I enjoyed it, you know, because I honestly thought it was going to go the full 12 rounds of him just, you know, showing how much further he is in skill level than Luke Keeler. But instead, he went out there to try to make a statement, which people have said he needs to do. He needs to make a statement. He needs to see, show us that he can be aggressive, that he can land a big punch. This, the problem is it's against Keeler. You know, I mean, he did his job. He did what he was supposed to do. I'm happy he did that. I was entertained that he actually went out there and tried to do that for us. You know, because like I said, he could have stuck up the place. He yeah. needs to make a statement, yes, but against a much, much bigger opponent. Uh, I guess I'm happy. You can't he do that, Kenny. Out. If nobody wants to fight you, though, can't do that. If nobody wants I'm, to fight I, you. I, well, you know what I mean? Why would anybody want to? Why would anybody want to fight you if you're uh, gonna run around for twelve rounds and stink up the place? Uh, he's got to make statements. Like you're right, he got to make statements. But statements against bigger people. Uh, it's it's exactly what I expected to see. It, 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 I would have actually had a lot of disgust for Andrade if he didn't knock him out. Uh, it would, you know, uh, I had, I used to like Andrade a lot uh, before, and, and you know, as I see him fight, fight, fight more and more and more and more, I feel the guy is more and more boring, and I want to watch his fights less and less and less. And uh, and I and if I was uh, some an opponent, I wouldn't want to fight him either. Uh, the dude runs around a, a lot. Yeah, he's entertaining for a couple of seconds here and there, but it's just a very very slow fight, you know. Well, you know, here's the here's the thing. Um, he's a WBO champ. It's I've mentioned this before with this title. The WBO title is not as coveted, despite what people may think. It's the WBC, for instance, his, his number one contender under the WBO is actually Jaime Munguia. So, David, I'd be interested to, to think to hear what you think about that. I mean, I mean, if that's the only fight that he can get, go for it. I think that's a great fight for him. You know, I mean, look, my my problem is this: is that when we're calling a fighter boring, um, and then and, and he's being avoided. Well, I mean, if he was a puncher, he'd still be avoided. So it to me it doesn't make sense. To me is if you have a title, then everybody else should be willing to fight him. Why is it that in the nineties, Pernell Whitaker, uh, you know, and 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 guys like Hector Camacho, guys that were boxers, yeah. everybody wanted to fight them. And you know why everybody wanted to fight them, Kenny? Because they held something that nobody had accomplished, being knocked out or outboxed yet. That to me tells me that if any champion out there, you know, if you want to test yourself of how really great you are, then you take the assignments that nobody really wants. 
So Andrade is one of those assignments. Yeah, I mean, look, if you got the star, star power, it shouldn't matter if Joe Blow here doesn't bring anything to the table because you're the star. People used to complain about Julio Cesar Chavez fighting nobody. They said, like, you know, I, I remember – I remember when he would go train over there in, in, in Los Angeles, so, uh, SoCal. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the city. Um, God, I can't even think of the city and all that. But he used to just go there just to train, and they literally used to have to shut the blocks down, the blocks down around that gym because everybody just wanted to have a glimpse of him. And they would yeah. literally say, "This guy could fight a cab driver," and he would sell out a place. You know, so that's that's what I mean. These other guys that want to fight, that 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 want fights and want to prove that they're they're the best. Well, Andrade's available. You know, if you want to see him blow somebody out or 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 to show that he's, you know, he's right up there with them, you got to give him that opportunity. And I, I don't see I anybody don't giving that opportunity. I don't disagree with you, and I'm not going to label him boring. Um, I'm just not going to label him exciting. And right. the issue Andrade is facing is is the fact that Canelo Alvarez looms over the middleweight division. You know, Gennady is not chasing Andrade. Gennady Golovkin is chasing a, a big payday with Canelo. Uh, Jermel Charlo would would uh, be pursuing a big payday with Canelo more than he would a payday with Andrade. And, you know, they're talking about the WBA regular champion, uh, Ryota Murata, uh, taking on Canelo again. He right. would want to take Canelo. He, so all of the guys with titles would rather face Canelo. And then the guys that he has under him in the WBO um, are people that, you know, most fans are just not that interested in. And I don't think these guys are running from Andrade. I don't think Liam Williams or Kanat Islam or uh, I don't even think Jaime Munguia would be running from um, from. Um, uh, Andrade, whether, whether or not his handlers would want that fight, Golden Boy, uh, um, is another story. But I, I don't think that Mungia would have a problem getting in there with Andrade. I don't think so either. I think it's. I think yeah. Golden Boy though would have a problem doing that fight. Yeah. So that that was our Thursday night, or in my case, Thursday night uh, slash Friday morning. Um, I don't know how many of you tuned into the Showbox card on Friday that was uh, headlined by uh, Ruben Villa taking on <laughs> Alright. Um, decent fight. I wasn't super excited about it, but you know, like the degenerate I am, I spend my Friday nights watching uh, Showbox and not doing other things that I should probably be doing on a Friday night. Um you know, BJ won. He's uh, 18-0, five KOs now. It was a unanimous, uh, super-wide decision. It could have been scored a shutout. Honestly, it wasn't. Uh, all of the judges gave Dave Collado at least a, a round or two. And, um, and yeah, what would you guys think, uh, David? Um, I'm sorry. Well, on what, what fight was that? The, what, what fight was this we were talking about? Friday, no, no, I know that. Show Friday show show what, what, what fight, though? What fight will we talk, uh, we talking about? Uh, this was the main event that I mentioned, the uh, uh, Ruben Villa, Alexi Collado fight. Yeah. The kid from Salinas, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought, um, I mean, I, I, I thought he did a, gr- a really good job, the kid from Salinas, you know. Um, you know, the, the only thing that he lacks is that power. Um, he's got a, he, he, you know, 
he's one of those guys that I think they need to match him well every time out, you know. And, uh, yeah. you know, and they keep doing that with him. That it, I, I think he'll do fairly well. I think that the problem is is that eventually somebody's going to be able to walk through those punches that he does, you know, because um, he doesn't do everything. I mean, he's not great on, on anything particular. I don't know if you guys got that sense. I think he's good on, on what he does, but overall it's just good. And sometimes good is just not good enough. Yeah, it was a workmanlike performance. Um, it was. That, that makes you question whether or not he has what it takes to become like a championship caliber uh, a fighter. You know, the Showbox series has always been a developmental uh, uh, series. But at this point, he's he's got a lot of fights under his belt. So you anticipate he making the next step up. But, you know, he's got 18 wins, only five by KO. Like you said, if you ask him, you ask yourself, what's his best punch? Or, you know, what's his best attribute? It's like the video game player that's got kind of an even score across the whole thing and nothing really jumped out at you. Um, Yeah. So they have, like you said, they have to match him very carefully because you look at who's in this division. You're talking Josh Warrington, uh, Gary Russell, Jr. Shakur Stevenson, Jukon. um, And uh, uh, you've got um, shoot, man. my, My guy from the UK that actually felt beat Warrington. It was like, one of the worst decisions of last year. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But, yeah, he, he's uh, he's there as well. So, yeah, um, there are a couple he's, undercard he's, fights. He's, Sorry, he's, got, he's, he's just got, you know, look, you know, I mean, he's got a good following. And I know there's going to be some people that are going to hate. They're going to they hate. They're going to hate that I'm um, not rooting for the kid because, you know, uh, Salinas is so close to where I was born and raised from, San Jose, San Jose yeah. California. And uh, Salinas is right above um, – Gilroy, I'm sorry, Gilas, because I know a lot of people that were like, you know, they'll go, they'll go, where are you from, David? I'll say, oh, I'm from San Jose. And I go, where are you from? Oh, Gilas. And I'll be like, you know, oh, that's right. They call Gilroy Gilas, and they call Selena Salanas or whatever, right? <laughs> wow. And, uh, you know, they always think, like, you should root for the guy that's from around your area, you know, the Bay Area and all that. And I do. Yeah. I, want, I want good for him, you know. I absolutely do. But, you know, <sighs> The problem that I've always seen with the with Northern California Bay Area fighters, if you really look at their their style, is that is uh they're not very big punchers, you know uh uh you know uh, Perez remember Prince Perez the kid that passed away who I knew very well um he ended up uh, just dying last year uh, in Mexico um he he ha- had a great style action style you know style but didn't have no punch behind him. Um, you know, and then you got this kid here, uh, you know, I just see so many of these guys from North California, they come out of my, my city that don't really have that punching power. Um, they don't really carry that. They're, they're more trained to, to be, you know, more of that Olympian style. They let their hands go a lot, um, but they're not really sitting on those punches. Uh, the kid from Slade has got to learn how to sit on those punches. I still see a lot of amateur in him that they got to shake off, you know, they got to teach them how to sit down a little bit more um, and, and just be able to do, because like I said, eventually he's going to meet somebody that's going to walk through those punches and take the fire of the little buzzing that he does and land some big, heavy shots on him. But I wish him the best, um, keep it up. But like I said, the matchmaking is going to be evident when it comes to his career. 
Yeah, and my apologies to anyone out there in, in England, uh, and specifically Sheffield. I, I just had a brain freeze. It's Kid Galahad, who is honestly Kid one Galahad, of the top yeah. fighters pound for pound. Um, he should be undefeated. This guy's an incredible uh, master boxer. I think he's the best fighter in this weight class, actually. And what happened to him last year against Warrington was, was really a travesty <clears throat> uh, right. with him getting robbed in, in that fight. So, yeah, um, Showbox on the undercard. We also saw uh, Tadas Shelestuyik. He got a, a unanimous 10-round uh, decision against uh, Luis Alberto Beron. And then I, what I thought was kind of a robbery was the uh, Zora Hamazarian fight. He defeated in eight rounds uh, Suleiman Segawa. And uh, I, I felt that Segawa had done enough to, to win that fight. I did, too. I did too. Yeah. You know, um, I was kind of in and out of those of those fights and all that. Yeah. I was uh, doing things and stuff like. But I did watch that, and I remember sitting there. I remember my son telling me like, "Oh, that, that, they just dropped this kid," you know. And I, I I had seen enough where I thought I thought he was winning the fight, but it's one of those. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not boxing if yeah. the judges or somebody don't fuck it up. No, seriously, guys. Unfortunately, I didn't watch no fights Friday. Yeah, you. I don't you blame you, Kenny. Miss all, miss all that much, uh, yeah. Kenny. It's uh, it was really for the the most extreme uh, degenerates uh, amongst <laughs> us. What, what Kenny, <laughs> Kenny, what 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 Emil Carr is basically saying is that it, it was more for us guys that don't have a life, and we just yeah. stayed home to watch the fights. Okay. Hey, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I have you guys. I'm glad I have yeah. you guys just, to give me the answer. <laughs> I mean, I just outed myself too, man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I just it's became okay. one of those. I just became one of those people that that tell on themselves. Yeah, it's the old thing goes. Take one to no one. So yeah, yeah we're in the same exactly, boat. Exactly, We're in the same boat. I just became that guy that that tells on themselves. You know, when they steal something, you know, like oh yeah, yeah. sorry. Oh well, yeah. I, well, he did it too, though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. uh you know, I think we can pretty much uh, head head over to Saturday night's card, um, and I don't know if you want to uh, introduce that one, um, David, or the Saturday night card on FS. Uh, yeah, FS one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. one. Yeah. I know you have something to say about one of the undercard fights, and I'd like to get into that as well. But I'd like you to to introduce it since I've been. Um, Introducing these other ones. No, go right. You're doing a fantastic job, brother. Go for it. I'll follow right behind you. All right. Well, why don't we start with the main event first, then? Uh, let's okay. kind of reverse the order here. So, you know, we had uh, uh, Ugas, uh, uh, Welterweight, who I felt uh, a fight ago did enough to earn a victory against Sean Porter. And Agreed. had he won that fight, I mean, it would have set up a big fight for him, a title fight with a unification fight actually with um, Errol Spence Jr. And I think that would have been a really good, good, good fight because Ugas to me is a more, a more highly skilled boxer than, than Porter. And I've always felt that he amongst all of the people in that PBC stable would give uh, Spence Jr. His, his toughest fight. He doesn't have the greatest punching power. Um, but he's got more than enough punching power to keep people well, honest. He's let's an make accurate this clear, puncher. though. 
Yeah. Car, let me just interrupt you. Let's just make this clear, though. Yeah. Everybody in the welterweight division is more highly skilled than Sean Porter. Porter is just a, is a freak of nature because of his strength, and he knows how to mount maul you up, you know? I don't think he's the most finesse fighter out there, but he definitely, what he has, what he does, he does very excellent, and he understands that. And I think that's what makes Porter uh, uh, kind of a special fighter. Um, Ugas, I got to ask you guys this, because you said right now that Andrade didn't excite you, like you guys weren't entertained. Um, and, and yeah. Andrade had just fought a mismatch, you know, a guy that he was supposed to beat. And, you know, what we had just mentioned, uh, you know, about what well, Ugas just faced Mike Dallas Jr., who yeah. is really not even a 147-pounder. And it, honestly, I was not entertained because he was landing solid punches and couldn't really do much than Mike Dallas. They had a, you know, the good thing that Mike Dallas called it enough and understood enough. Like, I, there's nothing I could do with this guy. This guy's just blowing me out. He's beating me up. Goes to this corner. Um, I don't know, man. I, I feel like there's still – Ugas to me is just that guy that's good. And, and, but there's just – there's not a certain spark that I see for him. You know, the way I felt like of re- watching like Rigondeaux or like Erez Lara, uh, um, I saw something with them because they could turn a fight with one punch. Who else to me just can't seem to do that. You know, he's, he's a better not, boxer. He's not, but, he's, not, he's not in that class. No, He's not bro. in that class. Erez Lara and, and um, Guillermo Rigondeaux are two of the most special fighters that come out of Cuba and, and like the last generation of Cuban fighters. They're kind of the generation after uh, Yoel Casamayor. And, um, you know, Ugas is part of that generation, but he's not of the same same standard either in terms of amateur world titles, uh, Olympic titles, or what he's been able to accomplish as a, as a, a professional. And Rigondeaux's punching power, as we've seen when he sits down on his shots, is absolutely scary. Um, also because of how accurate it can be, um, especially from from a, a counter-punching perspective. Ugas does pressure a, a little bit more, I would say, than, than uh, Lara and, and Rigo. But well, he different. doesn't have their accuracy or punching power. And, um, yeah. Or I would say their punch speed. I think uh, Ugas did his uh, his uh, best Andrade impression. He was even letting the right. <laughs> he was even letting the, his power punch go in the same type of angle that Andrade did, does, uh, which is kind of weird overhead thing he kind of does. He was even doing the same type of angle punch. His jab always looks great. Ugas has an amazing fucking jab. That shit works. But uh, it does work. But yeah, I didn't uh, uh, I didn't expect Ugas to go in there and knock him out. Um, I you didn't expect him to knock out Mike Dallas. You didn't expect nah, him to knock out Mike. Really? I actually did. Mike, Mike Mike Dallas is a shell of himself. I like I know Mike Dallas. You know, uh, I like the kid. I, I used to go and watch him train, and, and when he was going to Gilroy uh, with the Guerreros and everybody, he was going out there and he was helping out. Um. But, you know, I mean, man, he had no legs in that first round. You could see that that he just – the kid's not there anymore. You know what I mean? He's he's a sparring partner now. Um, well, he's – go ahead. Just to jump in on that <laughs> and kind of double down on what you said, David, the reason I thought that he was going to get KO'd – well, there's actually two reasons. 
One is Josecito Lopez. The other is Lucas Matisse. Yes. And I've seen him hit the floor before and not not be able to get up. I didn't anticipate a one-punch KO, but I did uh, kind of see a, a technical stoppage type type victory, which is which is what ended up happening. And like you said, it, he's, it's a lot of wear and tear. And he's a much lower-skilled uh, fighter than, than Ugas. Very, very not- lo- you know, low-skilled to, uh, compared to Ugas, you know. Go ahead, Kenny. Ugas has a 41% knockout ratio, man. Uh, I did not expect Ugas to just go to go in there and knock him out. Uh, uh, maybe technical, like you said. Uh, but when you when I heard you guys say knockout early, I was thinking about that one punch. DeAndre no, Wilder no, right. finisher. no DKO uh, yeah. technical stoppage. I Well, I, I felt that it was going to be a series of punches that would stop him. I mean, I honestly thought it would knock him out because, you know, because of how far Mike Dallas has, is from who he was, in the, from the, you know, in the beginning of his career. He's not the same kid anymore, you know, and he's he's a much smaller guy. He doesn't belong in the 147 division, you know. Um, no. I can't remember when, what he started in his career, but, but, you know, this guy has been prone to be knocked out. Touch his chin. He's been known to be put down. So I expected Ugas to, to, to just fairly easily beat him up and not go past three or four rounds. I really thought that that was going to be a short, you know, you know, short amount of rounds put in. But instead, it, it dragged out. That surprised me. That really surprised me because of the level that Ugas is, is at the moment. I thought that he was his jab alone would probably have gotten Mike Dallas into a, just a world of trouble that 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 Mike was going to walk into something big. but And he was, but it just wasn't – that power didn't seem to be there enough to to put him down on the canvas, that Mike Mike was actually the one that decided to sit that, sit it out. You know what I mean? To sit out, I'm done. Uh, you know, there's, there's no reason for me to continue. Uh, yeah. I, was watching this fight, I was watching this fight and paying much more attention to it than, uh, uh, than I did to the Andrade fight. And uh, that's because uh, I wanted to see what uh, Ugas was going to come out with after the whole Sean Porter loss. Was he going to change his style completely? Was, you know, what, was, what was he going to do? And, uh, yeah, I was paying very much close attention. And then I was very much bored because, uh, like I said, I, I very much appreciated and enjoyed his dab, but – that overhead like power punch thing that he, that, that Andrade imitation, yeah, man, I'm not I'm not really a fan of that. Uh, right. To, for that to be the only power punch that he throws, that like overhead thing he threw, like I didn't see him throw any hooks, any uppercuts. It was just jab to the body, jab to the face, and that funny overhead power punch, you know. Uh, so I found this to be a little boring. Uh, I did expect Ugas to win. I didn't expect him to win by knockout. I just really wanted to see what he was going to bring to the table after losing to Sean Porter, and it was okay. It was okay. Yeah, so moving on, uh, I don't think we need to go too deep into the undercard, but I thought that one fight that is uh, worthwhile discussing was the fight between uh, Raymond uh, Guajardo, who went into the fight uh, 5-0 and with four KOs, uh, and he went in there against a guy named Clay Collard. Um, fights, out, fights out of the boxing hotbed of Akache Valley, Utah, and who had a record going into this fight of five wins, 
two losses and three draws. Um, KO. And the commentators mentioned that, you know, he's been struggling as a fighter, which he has, and that he admitted that this was going to be his last fight. And Not no more. Boy, did he... Um, put on a show. No, no, yes, I um, think it's still gonna be his I, last fight. Ray, Raymond Guajardo went in way too cocky, uh, oh, way God, too arrogant. Was yep. in love with power, which is debatable whether it exists over a, kind of a anything over low to let, let's just call it a low level opponent. Um, and he just refused to show any kind of defense at all. You know who he all... reminded me of? Yeah. You know who he reminded me of without the skill, though? Uh, was Fernando Vargas. Really cocky. Um, you know, felt like he, had, he carries Mike Tyson power. And he goes out there. And here's the thing is that, look, look, the kid fought the wrong game plan. He went out there trying to, like, literally take off Collard's head. But, but, but. I also kind of blame the camp. They didn't bother to look at Collard's, uh, you know, background. They didn't bother to look at the opponents that he's lost to or he's beaten. Because if you go to Collard's a box record, you go look at his the matches. He's got a pretty solid career, you know. I mean, he's been put in. This guy is not like one of these guys that you're gonna just, uh, you know, that was not get, given anything. He had to actually fight for what he has. And um, I think Collard was at that point. He's older. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to really get anywhere because, you know, obviously the money's going to be going to the prospects. So Warhol went out there thinking I'm going to do a showcase. I'm going to blow him out as a prospect with no freaking jab, guys. I was like, no what is this kid doing? He just walked into the fire. And, and that's, that was my main problem is that this kid's mindset – is the trainer's job is to really humble the kid down. Bring him down to earth. We know you're good. We know you got power. But you got to remember that the other man is trying to do the same thing, is take your head off. And it's immediately, within that first five to ten seconds, you had an explosion. I mean, there was really no – there was no set – to you know, set the mood. There was no candle. There was no dinner. It was immediately jump on each other. Uh, it made a great fight and a great uh, uh, you know first round, which I say round of the year. Um, I loved it all the way from the beginning to the end because I always like to see a fighter be brought down to earth and be reminded that yeah. the other guy has a set of arms too. But looking at what everything this kid did, he walked in with no jab. He squared up. Um, he never howled, and he never decided to box after. When he went back to his corner, they were trying to wake him up, but they never gave him that advice like, hey, box, what are you doing? This is not a, you know, an MMA fight. You're supposed to go out there and box. But instead, they didn't do that. And it's partially probably because, one, they didn't do their homework as well. They never, he never moved his head. He never moved his feet. He didn't even back up. I mean, he just stood exactly. there and absorbed, absorbed shots thinking that he could – Obviously, you know, outland and, and out um, tough uh, collared, and it just wasn't the case. And worse than his fighting, I, I texted this to you, uh, David, over the weekend. I was just really not happy with the way he acted after the fight. You lost. Right. Humble pie. Collard's giving an interview, and he just uh, interrupts the interview and, and starts talking about himself and thanking his fans. I thought it was very unprofessional 
He got booed by the entire crowd right after that. I know and he he deserved it. it. It was definitely a big move. Uh, he lost. It is what it is. Uh, he tried to defend, I think, a little too late, Emil Carr. Uh, like, he was, he ain't tried to defend at all until it was like, if I take another hit, I'm going to get knocked out type of type yeah. of situation. Yeah. Uh, that, that's when he started, like, putting the gloves up and trying to the little Mayweather shoulder or whatever, which wasn't really working at all because he was way too hurt at that point. And he was trying to outpower the bigger man. Kyler looked extremely powerful out there. Every time he landed that power, the the, the power hand man is too savage. It, it, it pumped back his his head and it's uh it's his fault that he lost the fight. He was way too hype out there, and that was the best fight of the night. And I do think that Kyler is still gonna go to the MMA. He said at the end, I think uh, he said that he's chasing the money, that he's chasing whoever to pay <laughs> the most money, and that right. now that that he thinks the MMA is the bigger bank. I mean, after this fight, though, who knows? Maybe somebody offers him some big bank for some other type of fight, you know? Well, I, I would definitely like to see a rematch, and I think he's, it's well-deserved that they pay him a lot more. And I think a lot of fight fans want to see Collard back in there. You know, to make out another point is this. I've always said this. Because you sign a guy young doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that maybe their style is good, but they're not fully developed, you know? And Collard was able to show that you're fighting somebody with man strength was landing some big shots, you know, and the kid had to find his spot. He had to find his place. He, had, he actually had to be on timeout, and that's what, that's what happened after that, that fight. I, there's a big thing for this guy to go back on the drawing board. I hate to see young prospects get into such a war like that because it really leaves a lot, a big portion of them in that ring. And it's really hard for a young, young man at that age, especially if they don't have the right team, to get him back on track. So I hope that he's back on track. I thought the ref, honestly, guys, don't you guys stop it here, but on the second round, I really thought that the ref should have jumped in already. To me, it was a house fighter getting all the advantages of, stay, of, of oh, being able to stay in that fight. You know, I agree. There were a couple moments when Gallardo was against the ropes, or Guayardo, sorry, was against the ropes and was just absorbing clean shots. And um, the referee could have easily called a fight, but it was like, this is the prospect. This is the kid that's supposed to win. I'm going to give him every opportunity to get his head bashed in. It, it was honestly getting tough to watch. Uh, oh, yeah. I got a shout-out. I got a shout-out, D-Style Boxing. Uh, he gave a great, what I think is a great comment on YouTube. He said, I don't care if it's a struggling fighter. It's a man and experienced fighter. You don't just jump on a guy like that with no method to madness. Right. I agree. You don't. Great cop, D-Style. 1,000% yeah. in agreement on that. Yep. And D-Style is one of the originals from YouTube. He's an OG from YouTube. Uh, he's been around yep. for a very long time. So you guys can actually follow uh, D-Style. Find him on YouTube. He does some great shows. I actually tune in to watch his shows. Um, I don't always get to tune in live. I always have to, sometimes have to catch it. But a couple times I've tuned in live. live and D-Style, man, does a phenomenal job. I love his takes in boxing. Um, I like uh, how he likes to think out of the box. And uh, he's always bringing something, something of value to the table when he does break down, down the you know, you, know you know what's crazy? I was knocking the YouTubers earlier tonight to a certain extent. We but, are YouTubers. But Jake, but Jake, no, no, no. I don't mean in terms of D-Style. <laughs> I meant in terms of Jake Paul. To me, Jake Paul showed more um, boxing ability and a boxing brain than oh, – yeah. than, uh, and not to mention more respect for, for Anderson Gibb, 
than than Collard received. You know, yep. I, they, I, Collard was just given no respect. And um, to 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 uh, Jake Paul's credit, I actually felt Jake Paul did a much better job boxing. Yep, he did. He played it much more smarter. You know, and uh, you know. Uh, I, I think, you know, for Collard, I mean, look, he's, he's very limited. Um, he's limited in his, in his, uh, in his boxing skills. Uh, he's an MMA guy that, that, that made the transition to the boxing. I was thinking about going back. It's going to probably stick around because he said he is going to stick around in boxing because of what happened. It was a very huge upset. It beat a very, very uh, likable and, and talked about prospect, you know, but the truth is, is that, now that everybody knows that Collard's got a punch, you know that he really knows how to sit behind his, pu- excuse me, behind his punches. Um, I think that's where the that kid and his team should just go back and re-see that, talk to the promoter and say we want that rematch. I made a big fool of myself, and, and I threw away the best thing that I brought to the table, which is actually boxing pedigree. I actually understand the sport. I I, I grew up in the sport. I have the footwork, and I can't put the punches together. I could be the smarter fighter, but then I acted like a fool. It's very hard. This to me, man, that's a huge pill to swallow. That you beat that a, a veteran guy that really didn't grow up in the sport, but it's tough as nails. And like Disa just said, should have given him his respect because he's another guy that's across from you trying to take off your head, you know. But for me, that kid and his camp, especially his camp, guys, that pill should be very sour right now because because that, that shouldn't have happened to a prospect like that on, on Saturday night. Yeah. So that, that's, that's pretty much it. So that kind of sums up my, my week of uh, – or weekend of boxing, uh, David. I don't know if there's another – fight you want to discuss that that we might have I, mean, I don't know if you're interested in the Omar Juarez uh Angel Martinez fight um that took place but that no that I think we're going to open up the phone lines here for everybody uh if yeah. you guys want to call in you certainly can 347-215-7598 um a couple of topics we are going to bring up we're going to talk about Andy Ruiz and maybe the pick of a trainer that is going to be uh Underneath him, we're helping him out, trying to get him to be disciplined, not train him. Um, I, I just did not train him because I don't think there's anything new you could teach Andy. If anything, Andy just needs somebody to hone him down and, and, and get him on the right track and not be the Riddick bow of our of the of this era right now. Um, as well as we're going to do the preview for you know King Tug and uh, Russell Jr. And then let me see what else I got here. Uh, oh man, we going back with Andy Ruiz, man. He turned down the Dillian White fight. That's a big thing here. Uh, something definitely we need to talk about, um, get our thoughts mm. and our opinions about that move that he did. But uh, let's patch in. Let's see uh, area code 510. You're on live right now. Leave the ring. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, David. Hey, Milkar. Hey, Kenny. How you guys doing? Fernando over here hey, in Fernando. Fresno. Oh. I'm over here in Fresno today, man. So I'm trying to get some work. Oh, um <laughs> Uh I just called in right now. Uh, I guess you guys, because I barely called in, I guess I missed the first part of the show. So you guys already talked about the zone cards, how good it was. The first two fights were like like boxing after dark, you know. Those were really good fights. So I had a good uh, good time enjoying that. I, sh- I missed it, but I should have just turned off the TV and went to bed after that, though, because that was stuff was garbage, man. You know, uh, <laughs> 
you know, no, you know it what's was, crazy? Man. Like, like you know what's crazy? Like, you like, yeah, like I was a Max boxing member. I, like, I, you know, I kind of nerd out on boxing half you know, my whole life. And it always seems like like boxing writers or I would call you know like they always like to make boogeymen, right? They like to make boogeymen, man. That's what they were doing with uh, with Andrade. But every time I see him, man, he seems less and less scary. Like he seems awkward, but not in a good way. Like kind of clumsy sometimes. Like any other fighter would take him out that guy. Like, he fought a club fighter, man. That Keeley guy, he looked like he was serving. He just came out from behind the bar to to, to jump in the fight. You know, like he looked like a ready to do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? Do you think like like uh, well, how should I put it into words? There's too many like uh, hyped up boogeymen. You know, like is that is that a trope or what, what's going on with that? Mendo, I gotta agree with you. And the thing is, is that there's no bigger driver of that, that you know, that that train than um, uh, Chris Mannix from the Zone slash Sports Illustrated. I mean, I don't know if he's being paid to constantly bring up Andrade and him fighting uh, 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 Charlo. Charlo. But yeah, thank you. But he won't. He he always brings it up, and he he seems to be seeing something in Andrade that I personally don't see, which is that all of these other guys should be lining up to fight him. I mean, he, Sergio Mora is at least a lot more honest about it. I mean, the guy's a southpaw. He doesn't have the most entertaining style. He doesn't have the biggest fan base. He's got a, with, again, I'm going to say this, but the WBO is kind of a lesser-tiered title. Most people are looking for the WBC. And I just don't see a reason why people should be rushing to, to fight him um, unless they're in line to get his shot like, like Mungia. So, yeah, I agree with you. And I honestly don't see someone that people have really got to be that afraid of. Um, if you're a Canelo, you know I think Canelo beats Andrade, personally. I think a lot of you. I mean, the, the the biggest like thing he has going for him is that big paycheck that uh, Eddie yeah. is waving around for everybody. Man, I, I mean, like I agree with you, Melkar. Like it's been kind of a lot of hype on Manson's part, but yeah. if I'm if I'm Charlo, right, it's not necessarily for the WBO belt that I'm, I'm chasing. But I wouldn't, mm-hmm. wouldn't mind that big payday, man. That's a big seven million dollar check, man, for fighting that guy. You almost have to take yeah, it, man. It's, like, legit. it's almost like giving it's money. Yeah. You know, I'd go take yeah. it, obviously, if if it's legit. Um, you know, and Charlo's one of these guys that says he promotes himself. So, you know, if you're your own promoter and someone's throwing seven million at you, you would take it. Yeah. I think they just need to get it out of their head already about Canelo, to tell you the truth, man. I don't really see Canelo doing much this whole year. Um, I think what Canelo's doing right now is sitting back, looking at the landscape, and 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 just hoping the landscape start the landscape starts to grow. You know, there's got to be a new challenge, a new threat, um, something that makes fans want to come out to see him. Because I think Andrade fight is going to be like another, uh, you know, uh, uh, Danny Jacobs. It's it's really not going to attract or 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 get the 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 you know get the the fans hot and bothered and want to watch that kind of a fight, you know? And then again, like he doesn't really need, uh, he doesn't really need Andrade. He's already fought guys with that style. I don't see him wanting to revisit something like that when he can have, he has options. He has all these options to pick, you know? So even Saul Alvarez could fight Rob Brandt 
for yeah. Toriano Johnson and make as much money fighting them as he would fighting Andrade. I mean, that's not hyperbole. That's fact. He's got a it huge fact, But there's no ba- – I mean, the belt would be the only – the belt yeah. would be the only the only thing that that is worthy because we all know this fighters love belts they like that shiny belt you know if um, that's Friday, what drives them if I'm on Friday I'm looking at fighting uh, Billy Joe Saunders someone in the zone stable um, maybe that fight could be made or um, I'm looking to defend against Mungia. I just don't see Golovkin or, or Canelo, who are the big players at 160, uh, wanting to fight him. Right. I, I honestly just see Andrade uh, playing the safe for a long time to, to, to try to get himself a, a Canelo fight. So he's gonna, just going to, I think, he's just going to cherry pick for a bit. I don't see him fighting Billy Joe Saunders. Although, wasn't that fight supposed to happen before? And then they got killed oh, yeah. or something like that? Like twice, yeah. I think. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah. You know I, we're gonna get to, we're gonna get some answers because I just remembered this. Johnny Zig, who does Epic Let's Talk Fights here on the network, he's actually, yeah. if I remember correctly, he's gonna be interviewing Andrade tomorrow. And um, oh. yeah, I, I know there's gonna be some questions about who they're looking at, why they signed, why did he sign back on with his own? Is it because it was his only option? Um, a couple of things. So I think we'll get some answers. So I'm looking forward to that interview that Johnny Zig is gonna be doing with. Uh, Demetrius Andrade, you know. Yeah, Fernando, are you, are, you, are you looking forward to uh, this uh, coming up Saturday on Showtime Fights? I canceled it after the last card they had, man. The Danny Garcia <laughs> card, I canceled it, bro. I can't, I, I'm tired of getting like the PBC leftovers, man. I'm not paying for for PBC leftovers no more, man. I'm done, I'm done with Showtime. <laughs> you know, so exactly, Fernando, though, that's exactly what it is, man. I mean, that's yeah. – it's whatever I mean, Fox and FS1 don't want to don't want to put on their airways. And, and what's crazy, brother? Like, you, you know they're they're floating the, the Garante Davis versus uh, Leo Santa Cruz fight only because that's the only only thing Showtime's going to get for a pay per view this year. They're they're not going to get a uh, Mikey Garcia on pay per view. They're not going to get Danny Garcia on pay per view. They're going to get the Garante Davis fight against uh, against Leo Santa Cruz. They're not going to get any of the the top tier paper or the whatever the the better PBC pay per view uh, opponent. You know, so that's why that's why they're kind of trying to force feed us that one. And to be honest, if I had like Showtime, which I have, like had to... yeah, just like they're not getting Fury and Wilder, right? Exactly. You know, uh, can, can I say one thing about Canelo, who I would like to see him fight? I know it'd be kind of like microwaving it. I would of love to see him fight uh, David Benavides. David Benavides is a fight. I would oh like. man, that's a fight. Yeah, that's a tough one for Canelo. Yeah. yeah, you know, I love to that's see that, that bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a tough one. That would be a them. war, man. That would be yeah. a war because uh, Benavides, he don't back down, man. man. He's a big, uh, heavy, heavy-handed puncher. He stands right yep. in front of you. He's going to come toe-to-toe. I mean, that would be a – I might go bro. to Vegas for that fight. Bro, bro. Him, I might go. At this point, uh-huh. at this point, that that guy's the dog at one at 168 to me. I mean, yes. a- after Callum Smith uh, struggled against John Ryder, I – I put David Benavidez over him. So I've got it as, as Benavidez. You know, I might even put Plant over over uh, Callum Smith at this point. Yep. That's a close call. Uh, and then you I got agree. Billy Saunders, who I think is really still a middleweight. He's not a true 168. As much as I think he's a great boxer, I don't put him anywhere near a David Benavidez. Bene- no. Benavidez is the dog right now at, at 168. 
he just doesn't fight that, as often. That he needs to fight more, you know? Yeah. Um, and What's that's not his fault. I know, bro. He doesn't. And the number one, star, number one in the WBC right now is Vildrum, who is always in action fights. And, you know, the only thing, the only person that brings the heat more than Vildrum is his manager. I don't know if you've ever seen the video of him wilding out on uh, on someone. Yeah, that would be a great fight, Abney, uh, Abney Vildrum and David Benavides. Exciting. I think, I think Benavides stops him, though. Yeah, I just think he's charismatic, just like his brother. Both charismatic guys, good talking shit. Right. I mean, you know, he's got a lot going for him, man. It's kind of, it's kind of a shame, you know. They kind of put him on the back burner. And they back yep. it up. Yep, I was gonna say. Right. And they, yep, and they back it up. You know, yeah. uh, it's just that, you know the sad part is that he, he's not being promoted enough. It's almost kind of they kind of leave him high and dry. You know, he doesn't have fights scheduled. He's not being pushed. Um, he should be in the face right now. Of every Latino fan out there, he should be in their faces right now. I, I'm not. I'm very surprised that I'm not seeing more fans call for Benavides versus Canelo. Bro, I mean, what more do you want? He's articulate. He speaks Spanish and English. He's he's a handsome dude. A great fighter. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I think he's got everything going for him. He just needs the big fights now. I, th- I think someone has uh, the hot Benavides, Benavides. Brother, he might be the Diaz brothers. Benny, <laughs> <laughs> after what I said, he thinks somebody has the hot for Benavides. I guess I should have put a more homo after that, but yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I, I, like, I, I wasn't gonna point that out, bro. I wasn't gonna like point Benavides. that out. Not in, not in that way. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, as they said on Seinfeld. But yeah, I, I mean, that too, Kenny. I'm I, a, I'm a I, I was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's very handsome. Thank you. For, thank you for taking my phone call. I appreciate it. Very handsome with big But yeah. Thank you, bro. He's very handsome. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, fans, you want to call in? 347-215-7598. We got some of those handsome callers in, uh, of all the networks of boxing here on Leaving the Ring. <laughs> oh, man, that was great. That was a, that was a quick jab right there, man. I, I've never seen a Kenny jab, jab like that, bro. Kenny normally throws big over, overhand rights. That was like a, a Nougat jab. <laughs> <laughs> You just throw the haymakers. That one busted up my nose real quick. Yeah. <laughs> it stopped you in the uh, track seat. Boy, i never seen a milk car blush like that. He's very handsome. <laughs> That's not what I said. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. Not what David, David Benavides is a beast. He is a he beast. Is a beast. Yeah, yeah. Can't, can't, can't really badmouth that guy. Super humble for us. Uh, so, um... We have lots that we haven't discussed. Which uh, which route do you want to go next? Uh, well, I don't know if you guys saw. I don't know if anybody here out, out there has seen the uh, picture that Baby Miller, who just signed with Top Rank on a few uh, fight deals, um, had put on his Instagram. Um, let me see if I could pull it up over here so I can read exactly what he had he had said. Um, 
I should still have it because I sent it to you guys. So, and this is uh, him because, you know, he was not asked to be on the undercard of the Fury and uh, Wilder. So no. he was asked, I mean, I think he's been a little salty about it. But here it goes. It says, I heard Tyson Fury versus Beyonce Wilder undercard is going to be a little dry. I think it needs a, a little juicing up. Yeah, I think I need to make my comeback on that bullshit. What you say, leave a comment below. I want that all that smoke. Okay. Juicing well, the funny up. part was that he, he was trolling everybody. He used the term juicing and, you know, obviously right. the illicit kind of response there. You know, the interesting thing with this uh, undercard is that both promoter, promoters, uh, top rank, and I guess you could call PBC a promoter, they, they each have an even number of, of fights. But I believe the only cross-promotion is the Fury-Wilder uh, fight. So I'm guessing he's really, what he's asking is top rank to give him a big fight on right. the undercard. On that night. Showcase fight. You look, yep. uh, I like I like Big big Baby. I, I have family that's very close to him. A lot of people, and I was discussing this with you over the weekend, Dave, a lot of people right. don't know that uh, Big Baby is uh, Caribbean, Central American. He's a Latino. His dad is from uh, Haiti, and his mom is from Central America and Belize. And, uh, you know, he speaks Spanglish. He eats tamales. It's probably the reason he got so big. And, you know, it was a little bit disappointing within within, um, his community that he tested the way he did. Uh, He had big plans and ideas of things to do uh, in Belize, with development and boxing. And uh, from what I know, it's kind of all gone by the wayside since that positive test. So he's looking to get back into the mix. And, you know, when the positive messaging and the apologies and uh, don't, don't work, you, you guys will probably remember he did those video apologies. What, I right. guess the next return to being the bad guy and uh, trying to troll and get your name out there like that. Uh, I don't know what you think, uh, Kenny. I honestly, you you can't be mad at the dude. Uh, you can't be mad at the dude. You got to give him props uh, because honestly, this is he's going back to his original character. This was what he was doing before, talking about he wants all the smoke beating everybody up. He was gonna wash Joshua or whatever, you know, all the stuff he was saying. He's just going back to his original character. And you know what? If he does want to get himself back in the spotlight and get himself a big fight on the undercard of that eve, then you know. He should go back to the attention-grabbing shit talking uh, if he can back it up without the steroid uh, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he should go back to his regular self. It, 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 that persona catches attention. So I, I, I'm not yeah. mad at him. I would like to see him uh, come back and fight, uh, obviously, testing, testing, testing. But, you know, everybody deserves a second chance. I ain't mad at the dude. Um, yeah, I mean, I th- gotta I, eat. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hate on the guy. Okay, the guy <laughs> tested with more more shit in his body than the pharmacy. Um, didn't even come back. Look, it was a fake apology. He actually bullshitted in interviews, stating that he didn't get tested. Um, you know that the testing was wrong. That he didn't get he didn't get popped for this. He didn't get popped for that. He couldn't even be honest. Okay, he he, he you know couldn't be, you, nobody actually gave him the right questions. Nobody really called him out on his BS. Instead, they gave him a Snickers bar for him to chew on or whatever he was eating and stuff. 
you know. And that wasn't the interviewer's. That wasn't the interviewer's fault. Well, actually, it is. They sh- they should have been up to to the to the game of what he was doing. Okay, so that's my major problem is that he did try to dope himself up, which I didn't think he needed to do. I thought that you know I think he has the skill level and the size already to oppose himself in the ring against any heavyweight. So for him to do that to a dear sport to ours and a very dangerous sport already. Yeah. And to say that let's give him a pass because everybody deserves a second chance. I mean, man, this is a brutal sport. It is. These guys are not six months of what he was suspended for. It's it's that's a fucking pass. That's like far yeah. far of a pass than anything that was given to anybody. You know, where a big suspension was needed against this guy. So he comes back to be the bad guy. He was playing the bad guy before, which I really liked. But now, guess what? It's actually the bad guy that I want to see get his ass laid out. That's what I well, want to see, because that would disagree. be the reward. I don't disagree with a lot of what you said, David, but what I will say is, you know, what was Big Baby known for? It wasn't necessarily his extreme punching power. It was more his volume punching throughout the fight for such a big, large, uh, you know, a, a big, large guy, like 300-plus pounds. He's still throwing, right. you know, approaching 100 punches around. The drugs he was taking were drugs that uh, performance kind of um, endurance athletes often use in terms of EPO and blood doping. It's the kind of stuff cyclists uh, get popped for and triathletes. Right. Uh, so, it, yeah, him juicing wasn't really to do with increasing his size or his strength. It was more no. juicing that allowed him to fight in that what makes it more dangerous way. though a milk car that makes it even more Absolutely. more dangerous because no, no, no. he was looking Absolutely. he was <clears throat> the the criticism that he was getting just real quick the criticism that he was getting before was that yeah he was a valiant puncher but he had long pause periods in his spurts you know what i mean that like he would yeah. let his hand he would throw a six punch combination but then for about a good duration of, of 30 to 45 seconds he didn't throw a thing um he was slow-footed. He was like a David Tua in there where yeah. he, he was so big. It, it took him a long time to walk down this guy. You know, it was his size that opposed that made guys back up on their own. Taking all those, yeah. all those things that he's endurance-wise, all that stuff that he was looking for to do, it was for that he could throw more punches and he yeah. could close that distance. He was looking to really, really, which, you, I mean, I mean, you're, you're looking to hurt your opponent. But, no, you know, you know, but in that sense, he was doing the action. Right. The action that he did was very wrong. I'm just getting into his psyche in terms of why he felt he might have needed to do that. Because, you know, you were saying you don't right. think he needed to do it. He, maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. What would he have looked like against Thomas Adamic and these other guys had he not been able to throw punches like that? I, I, we were not going right. to know until we see what Kenny was demanding, which is, you know, stringent testing on this guy. And check right. Yeah, because without that, we don't know what he's what what, what he's capable of. Because as far as we know, all we've seen is a drugged up Jarrell Miller. Right, which we're not going to get with him. You know, we're going to get either this uh, clean sport program BS with him, um, or 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 we're going to get the you know the short period of of if if there is a three months thing because you got to remember Abada, you know, uh, uh, they they just show up randomly and it's not really like they're showing up every week to test the guy you know the only way of being sure is that he goes under a very strange uh, uh testing 365 days uh, because these guys on their off peak is when they're testing that's when they're you know they're doping up 
it's when they're when they're in their training camp that's when they're coming down that's when they're coming off you know so i don't know i'm not i i, I I'm, I'm with you guys you can't stop a man from making a living but i don't see why we cannot continue to 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 point this out about him this is now something that needs to be part of his image the way they would put on like guys like antonio margarito or you know other guys you know they would oh, put yeah. it in the mentions in the mentions you know of certain things that these guys did or did not do, um, you have to do it with Baby Miller. Baby Miller. So I hope top ranking them when he does fight, they always bring that up because that's something that's now part of his history. Yeah, it is. I agree. As I it should be. All I'm saying is, you know, with if they enforce some some scheduled testing year round, you know. Right. Uh, dude deserves a second chance. He deserves to come back and and either get his ass beat or come back and and be a different boxer because I don't see him throwing the same volume of punches. No, yeah. I and I always like I was telling Mill Car, I go, dude, it's crazy because I really like that kid. Like I really did like that kid. I actually was like that. He was actually him and Ortiz were the top two for me, in my for me for my opinion. I mean, those were the guys that stood out as the heavyweights that I wanted to watch. Now, Wilder's yeah. have kind of taken that place, and and uh, uh, the kid that a little car's high on those those guys have kind of taken those places and stuff, you know. But um, you know, I I whatever. I mean, we all know the reason why Top Rank signed on Miller because Fury obviously is going to need somebody after Wilder. They don't have yeah. a very deep stable at Top Rank at the heavyweight division, just like the welterweight division. That's why they took yeah, on Miller. So, yep. So I, I, I'm interested. I'm interested in what Bob is going to do with Baby Miller. Is it going to be an immediate match between the two? Is that the agreement? Or are there going to be some fill-in fights in between? And that's what makes it interesting to me. Um, because I would love to see Miller and Ortiz. I've always said that. I want to see those two guys mix it up. I think that's just all complete fireworks. Uh, Luis Ortiz, the Cuban? Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I'd like to also see Andy Ruiz and Big Baby Miller. Oh, yeah. I think that's interesting, you know. Um, yeah, so he'll join the list of a lot of other guys that unfortunately have been popped uh, with steroids. I mean, the list includes guys even like Roy Jones Jr. So uh, Shane Mosley, yeah. you know. Shane Mosley, yeah. I mean, and uh, Luis Ortiz. Uh, there's a lot of guys that have been popped, Yes. you know. Unfortunately, you know, Eric, Eric Molina, you know, uh, Alexander yeah. Povetkin. Alexander Povetkin. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. There you um, go. You know, well, talking about Andy, you go through the list. It's a lot of guys. Yeah, exactly. Yep. The list goes on. That's what I'm saying. That, that, that there, that aura that he's created needs to stay attached to him. Eventually look like, Orlando, uh, Siri, these guys, they, they've kind of cleared their name because they yeah. decided to take these, these other tests. They, you know, I mean, like Canelo, uh, you know, the tainted meat, they, they, to me, they've cleared the name because they did the, they did the road work to get there, you know, to show like, yeah. Hey, listen, it was a mistake, you know, or whatever the case, whatever happened. Okay. Um, you know, um, and until I see that from baby Miller, you know, I, I'm not going to be as quite as giving. I, I, you know, I, I you don't. Remember, I just. You remember, you remember Jamil McCline, David? Yes. Pop. 
where did he go afterwards? So, and we'll see, exactly. you know. You, well, you, he went you into politics. Up, <laughs> yeah, you, exactly. You brought up earlier um, uh, Dillian White. I mean, Dillian White's last fight was against Marius Walk. Both of those guys have been popped. Popped, exactly. You know, um, it's unfortunate, but yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, the heavyweight division. Wasn't Don Pascal popped? No, not a fish. No, no, no. People have claimed it, but he's never tested positive. Right. Nice. Sorry. I'm no disrespect to anybody. I was just asking. Yeah, he's never he's never no. been um been been tested positive. But a lot of a lot of big guys have. I mean look, Eric Morales, who I grew up really liking, he's been popped. You know, um the list is long. No, the list um, the list is long, you know, but it just seems like it's more you know, at the moment is heavyweights. You know, um, yeah. It, it, you know, they're 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 juicing up. They're putting you know, foreign substance in their bodies. You know, uh, we can make a whole show of this, but I, I want to move on. Let's go to Andy Ruiz. One last thing, though. The thing with Miller, like you said, though, Dave, is that he got popped three times. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Actually, I believe the number was higher than three. I want to go yeah, for five. Four, if I remember correctly, right? um, I think it was five. Five. That was that, that. That that is the actual actual number, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I would have to go back and look at look right, and stuff. Let's uh let's see what's up with uh something more positive than these uh, uh sports abusers, and let's uh <laughs> finish off finish off strong with uh Gary Russell Jr. versus King Tug. Uh, let's uh you know let's give our thoughts. What do, what do you guys think? What, what what do we expect? Well, let's not forget that Rigo. And uh, so Elise is on that card. Is first. That's actually the real fight. That, I mean, I think that's the great fight there, the co-main event there. I think it's going to be an awesome, so awesome fight. You know, a milk card. You want to go ahead with that? Because I remember I had, I had put a lot of my input in that fight when I when it was originally supposed to be made, but but there was some visa problems. You're talking about the Rigo fight. The Rigo fight. Well, look, anyone who's listened to me uh, on the next round or on this show for many years now knows that I'm a huge Rigo fan. I think Rigo's one of the more tragic recent cases uh, in the sport in terms of somebody who I feel has been really exploited, mismanaged, and poorly yes. promoted. When I felt when, – when I stopped liking uh, – uh, not that I ever really liked him. I mean, he's a boxing promoter. But when I kind of lost respect for Bob Arum to a certain extent was when he would just trash uh, Rigondo. And, um, you know, Rigondo gets a lot of heat for the fact that, you know, people felt he was boring and this and that. But I've never felt he was boring. You just look at his KO percentage. He just destroyed most of his opponents. And what people often fail to acknowledge is that the guy, for almost his entire career, has been fighting out of his natural weight class. He's a yeah. natural 118-pounder, and he's fighting at 118 pounds um, uh, against uh, Solis. And when he fought, uh, uh, when he fought uh, uh, Lomachenko, he fought him at 130. Yep. So this was a 118-pounder that went up to fight a guy at, at 130 pounds and just got trashed for it. I mean, 
I, I can only imagine what he would have been able to do as a pro if he was in his mid, mid-20s. But we saw him in his 30s, and now he's pushing 40, and he's still yes. savaging guys. If anyone wants to see uh, the antithesis of boring, check out the Julio Ceja, uh, Ceja fight, okay? Um, that was a great fight. <laughs> right? Check out, check yeah. out the, the, the KO of Moses Flores, which was ruled a no contest, but should have been ruled a KO. All right? Uh, uh, check out the Giovanni De, uh, Delgado fight. I mean, just go down the list of his fights. They're all, you know, uh, stellar performances. So I'm looking forward to this fight against uh, Solis. Uh, you know, it, it's tough sometimes. A lot of the South American boxers, I don't always know uh, fully what they're what they're capable of. Um, Solis has fought most of his career in Panama City. Great city, by the way, uh, if anyone is looking to visit. But against a, guy, a lot of guys that we can't really rate because other than uh, Jamie McDonald, who he lost to and then got a no decision against, most of the guys on his record are guys that m- most even hardcore fans are not necessarily going to be able to recognize. No. Uh, but he's I getting expect- Rigondeaux at, at, at the perfect yeah. time. In my opinion, yeah. you know, Rigondeaux's yeah. legs are older. He's getting pushing hit more. 40. Was that? I said he's pushing 40. How many bantamweights exactly. are, fighting, are fighting at 40 years old almost? Not many, if exactly. any. So, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a dinosaur a at, at bantamweight. Yeah, right. it's like the equivalent of a 50, 55-year-old heavyweight. Exactly, it's a, it's a you know. Skills and reflexes and, and quickness and speed. You know, so yep. let's see what happens. I'm I'm really excited about that fight because, you know, yeah. like I said, with Rigondeaux, you know, the credit he's never been given that he could turn a fight with one punch. Um, he's a, I mean, his career in the beginning, you watched him when he was a pro, he, you know, started in the beginning of his career as a pro, he was a sniper. And I think yeah. a lot of folks had a problem with that because he, he made his punches always count. He didn't throw punches to throw away. He made his punches. They were very educated shots. Okay, like if he jabbed, he was jabbing to move you maybe, you know, an inch to the left or to the right so he could throw the counter punch. Very, his IQ is is second to none. Very intelligent, you know. Um, But he was, unfortunately, like you had mentioned, McCarr just kind of outed out because he wasn't getting the proper guidance. And so he had a, you know, fit whatever bill that was given to him, move up and wait, you know, and, and, and chase down the big, big money fights because nobody at that battle weight division um, wanted to face this guy, you know, it was that dangerous and he was that hard to hit. I mean, you want to overall the sweet science. I mean, he embodied it. Oh yeah. He was Absolutely. don't get hit and he hits you. I mean, he really, really embodied it, and, and which is crazy because you see a lot of guys that would praise like a Pernell Whitaker, you know, and they would be like, oh, my God, you know, uh, you know, Pernell's hard to hit and this and that. And, but Pernell didn't have that, that punch to knock out guys, and Rigondeaux no. really did, you know. Absolutely. Rigondeaux was, 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 I mean, who – Rigondeaux's the guy that started to, to, to really put – Nonito Dernier's career, his first career, um, well, actually, it's his second career, because I think he has, like, three three careers. He's on the comeback now, which is, he's, like, my yeah. comeback fighter. 
Um, but yeah. on the second part of his career, I, I, he's the one that really just kind of humbled Nonito. He really humbled him. I mean, just beat him to a pulp. So I really like uh, Rigo, but now we're seeing Rigo's second uh, life span in his career uh, because he's pushing 40. Yeah, and look, Rigo's shots, like you said, they were sniping shots. They were powerful, hurtful shots. Like when he landed, you felt it. I, I walked, not walked, I drove down to the boardwalk uh, to Atlantic City and saw him um, when he took on uh, Agbeko. And anyone who knows Joseph Agbeko remembers that this guy was a tough, come-forward fighter. And when right. he got in there with Rico, he did not want to engage. It was like round one, he got hit hard, and for the rest of the fight, he did not engage. To me, apart from Bob Arum, the guy that was probably most hurtful to Rigo in his career was Dan Raphael. I mean, he just had it out for him. Anytime he mentioned him on Twitter or in an article, it was some negative bullshit. And then the right. worst part of it was that while he's criticizing Rigo, who's KOing people, and he's calling Rigo boring, he's praising Mayweather and Andre Ward. It's like, yeah. I just didn't understood that. I didn't get it. And I, right. I had a lot of respect for Andre Ward, always have, same for Mayweather. But how can you appreciate those guys, but not appreciate a guy who's just as defensive, but also knocks people the fuck out? It exactly. just never made any sense to me. I'll, put, I'll tell you this really quick, because I was there. What made me a massive fan of Regendahl was that <laughs> you don't really get the full, the full uh, effect of what he of his what is you know how hard he hits and how elusive he is until you see a lot see him live and i was able to see him in las vegas when he fought rico ramos you know the suave Ooh. kid and a lot of people yeah. were high up on him and i'm right there at ringside because i was taking um because uh, i had to be you know the, the the writer and the photographer uh for leaving ring so i'm right there and i'm like with a camera and i tell you what guys those punches that he was landing you know, on Rico Ramos, everybody heard it. Even Floyd Mayweather was up on top of the balcony to watch uh, Rig, uh, Well, He was actually there for Rico Ramos, but I mean, yeah. you heard everything. Those shots were just like, boom, boom, boom. And you literally would hear the air come out of Rico Ramos. And for a very brief moment, or actually more than that, I almost forgot that I was there to be, to, to take pictures because I got wow. so consumed in how strong and how talented and how elusive he was, you know. And that's what sold me about him because I was like, wow, man. I mean, you know, I, I was sold on him. But let's go to the main event that's happening on Showtime, which is going to be uh, Gary Russell Jr. and mm-hmm. King Tug, um, which is – his whole name is very difficult. So I'm not going to even de- – uh, I'm not going to – <laughs> destroy it. Yeah. So I just keep calling him keep King Tug, you know. Yeah, his name is very difficult. Niambayar. Niambayar. Tug Sagat. Tug Sagat. Tug Sagat, But let's call him King Tug here. I apologize, Mr. King Tug. His last name is actually the easier one. Niambayar. It's the first one I had trouble yeah, it's the first one I have trouble with. Um, yeah. I like this fight a lot, guys, and I'm going to tell you yeah, why. Yeah, Experience is you got to lean towards uh, Gary Russell, um, you know, yeah. the more experienced guy. But what favors – I think what evens out this fight for me 
is Miangabar and and Russell. Um, look at their their fight record. They both don't fight very often. You know, uh, King Tug yeah. fought what one, once 2018 and once 2019. You know, and now he's taking on this very tough tough assignment. But with Gary Russell, um, here's another guy that also does the same thing. But but skill levels, I think that sometimes. It works for him. It's just that fans like myself and the rest of the world, we want to see him be more active. Uh, whereas where he, after a fight, he always says, well, I'm going to go on vacation. And when he says vacation, shit, he really means vacation. Yeah, yeah well, he's got a contract that pays him a million dollars a fight as long as he's a title holder. So he just has to make one mandatory defense a year, and he's earned a million dollars a year. And guess what? Apparently, he's very good with his money. He's made a lot of investments, bought property that generates him income. So he, he's actually making a lot of money outside of boxing, too. So, you know, he's got Smart. a little million dollars extra a year. He fights once a year. He's really good at it. And uh, that's where Gary Russell is at. Um, what intrigues me about this fight is that Niem uh, uh, Bayar is uh, five foot eight. And has a very high Paul. KO percentage. Yep. Uh, from what I can tell so far, he's got a really good chin, and he's got he's a good athlete uh, that can uh, throw punches and 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 last. So I would I would like to see um, see this fight as well. I'm very excited about it. Um, yeah. I tell you the one thing that he does that guys that that I think Gary Russell and them need to be concerned about. That because Jojo Diaz, for one, couldn't let his hands go. He was more yeah. in starstruck, in my opinion, with Gary Russell's hand speed. But yeah. the number fire for King Tug, in my opinion, is going to be the right hand. He knows how to throw that right hand. That is his meal ticket. That's what got him where he's at. That's why people have been excited about him when he was in the amateurs, in the Olympians. He was an Olympian. Um, you know, this guy knows how to throw it, and he's very confident. With that straight right, yeah, yeah. He's also he's also very fast himself. He has a good very jab. Fast. He throws a he throws a good combination. Uh, seems to have some good power on him, you know. So no, this is gonna be a hell of a fight. I, uh, mm-hmm. I think Gary Russell has to be careful. It's not gonna be no walk in the park. Uh, but I do feel that uh, experience uh, will come out winning because. You know, it's eleven fights for a King Tug. Uh, it's like it's like the Lomachenko route, kind of. You know, every, everybody's doing that these days. Couple fights and become a champion. Um, MJ did the same thing just this past Thursday on the Zone against uh, Roman. You know, so it's starting to be a a, a, a trend, and uh, you know, and but like all trends, they have to end. Because my problem with King Tug here, Kenny, is that uh, though he's tall. Though he's strong, he's got good KO uh, ratio under his belt with that amount of fights he has. Uh, like you pointed out, the experience factor is still yet to be seen. But, guys, if, if the fights that I've witnessed, um, he has been overbearing to his opponents. But the one thing that his yeah. opponents have exposed from him is he doesn't have very he doesn't have very good head movement. He does get no. marked up quite a bit. <clears throat> and this hand speed of Gary Russell, I mean, Gary doesn't carry a large amount because – Really, when his hand speed, he kind of dazzles you with it, but he doesn't really sit down with those punches. But it, that doesn't matter because 
I go back and look at the guys he faced. Jojo Diaz, number one, who just took the title away from Tevin Farmer in the in the in the light in the junior lightweight division, but he wasn't able to get tee off on anything because he was dazzled by the hand speed, you know. And a lot of times, even if they don't hurt, they just they, they could be stings, and there's stings enough to make you want to hesitate of letting your hands go because you're afraid of what's going to come after. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I you you okay right I could I could definitely uh, uh um I could definitely see uh, uh Gary Russell's hand speed and uh, and and King Tug not moving his head around enough being a a, a big factor in this fight. Uh, Gary Russell stings man those hands those hands are fast and they sting you know uh got some pop in them. He, he also got good combinations on them he throws punches from all angles you know. Uh, and he lasts a full fight. So, and it seems like King Tug can also do the same thing, just with a little less head movement, and he has a little less experience. But as I look at King Tug on BoxRec, everybody he's fought has had a like a ton of experience over him. And yeah, he's still not winning every fight. So, we'll absolutely. Right. I mean, he's taking on you know guys with a lot more wins than him. Um, I think the biggest one that jumps out is the uh, Harmonito de la Torre guy who was 19-0 and 0 when he fought. And also Claudio Moreno in his last fight was 23-2. and 2. So he's he's definitely taken on guys with a lot of experience. I always like international fights where you get to see a guy from a different culture uh, come in and test himself. So I, I'm, I'm excited about this one. I think it's going to be a good card. And and big up to the PBC. I think they've been doing a pretty good job this year with with their with their schedule and their fights. Yeah, I, actually, I, I think I think a lot of their um, for the last couple of years they've been doing really good. You know, um, you know, I mean, look, look, you could pick and and, and and bitch about certain you know promoters or with this and that. You know, um, you know, and say like, hey, they're lacking here, lacking there. But in, I think in overall. Uh, you know, we're we're getting good fights. So I just want Top Rank to catch up. I know there's a guy on Twitter that follows me, and he's always saying I'm hating on Top Rank a lot. I'm not giving him credit. I get credit where it's due, you know, and, yeah. you know, I just want to see him do a little bit more for Crawford. Um, hey, one of our listeners is telling yeah. us here on the YouTube chat that uh, that he's gotten word from a solid source that so the fight that's going to happen in May is going to be uh, Danny, Danny Garcia versus uh, Manny Pacquiao. I thought we we talked about that. Remember, we kind of wow, had that okay. feeling. That could, yeah, you know, that's a good fight. I, I like that. I fight. think I think that style is is really good for Manny. It's just a question of where Manny is at. Being what is he forty one now? Um, right. I think a pride Manny would destroy uh, Garcia, and I like Danny Garcia, but you know, let's see what a forty one year old Manny can do. That's what makes this fight intriguing. Yeah, also big up to Manny for taking up all, taking on these fights at his age. I know, man. Hell yeah. The guy's a senator in his country, and he's still fighting top guys in the primes of their career. It's pretty amazing. And he's not he's waiting for anybody too. either. I like the fact that he's not going to wait on any. Manny Pacquiao's not waiting on anybody. Like, wow. you, know, uh, you know what I mean? Like the whole Conor McGregor talk, he could have said, no, nah, let me wait. Let me wait. Uh, but instead, he's still taking on these guys. I mean, Danny's not a young lion anymore. He's got some chip on his tooth. tooth. But but he's still a very dangerous guy. Throws a very good, solid right hand, which has always given Manny 
problems. You know, the right hand's always been his Achilles at some point. We that's what got knocked out with man when Juan Mar Marquez. Uh, you know, uh, he's been clipped with by other guys, but but he always seems to know how to get around it and work on that. And I mean, you still got to look at his his performance over over Keith Thurman. That was a stellar performance, and it told us a lot that Manny still Manny Pacquiao still a very dangerous welterweight, and still very uh, you know he still draws people's imagination. So big up to that fight. Say what, say what you will. Manny's taken on better welterweights than uh, Terrence Crawford has. And <laughs> yeah. No, I'm being serious. He decided to sign with the PBC because he wanted to take on welterweights. So, yep. you know, Crawford... And I agree, I agree with Jeffrey. I agree with Jeffrey. I think Manny Pacquiao stops Danny Garcia. I do think that... that or maybe stop him with, with just a... Not like a KO style, but I think he just buzzsaws him, raises up his face where there's going to be a stoppage there. Anyways, we're at the end of our show, man. I appreciate everybody that tuned in. Remember, we're back on every Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific and uh, Eastern time at 8 p.m. with myself, my co-host, uh, Milcar, and Kenny, um, as always. So be sure to tune in. You can catch us here live on Blog Talk. You can always call in, 347-215-798. And on YouTube, guys, again, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the fights. Uh, catch up with us on Twitter. Talk to you guys soon. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Caballeros. <laughs>